In today's episode, I want to share a quick recap of the podcast in 2023 and the first part of our top 10 most downloaded episodes of the show this year. And we'll start from episode number 10 to episode number 6. And next week, on the next episode, we're going to do the same from episode number 5 to episode number 1. Big thank you for this year. It was a huge year for the podcast, the first year of the podcast, actually. We got more than 75,000 downloads. So thank you so much for listening to the show. And thanks also uh, for all the, the biggest fans of the show. I'm getting a lot of messages on LinkedIn of people being grateful about having the show. So we have more than 270 fans on Spotify actually. We are ranking number one uh, on Spotify for them. Thank you so much. In 2024, uh, we are going to have more formats on the show actually. Uh, more solo episodes where I'm sharing tips, for example, or episodes with uh, me on other podcasts. Yes, but also we are going to have uh, Q&A sessions. If you enjoyed the podcast this year, please comment on YouTube or send me a message on LinkedIn to let me know what was your favorite episode of uh, the podcast this year. And if you are listening to the show on Spotify, uh, please rate the episode. It helps us get more visibility, but also get more guests uh, on the show. In today's episode, uh, we're going to have uh, from episode number 10 to episode number 6, and episode number 10 is the episode with Tito Bort, CEO of Altices. Episode number 9, Maddie Hopkins, highest performing UK SDR Cognizant. Episode number 8, Devesh Tilokani, Enterprise BDR at Lupio. Episode number 7, Brandon Gate, Enterprise SDR at Cognizant. Episode number 6, Caspian Lucky, Associate Sales Engineer at Gong. Let's dive in. Episode number 10, Tito Bort, CEO of Altices. He has built 70 plus SDR teams from scratch and he's sourced over 100 million in revenue for his customers. In this episode, actually, we talk about account targeting and scoring, buyer personas, and also understanding your prospect challenges. So at the beginning, I mentioned the three pillars of successful sales development. So I mentioned targeting is number one. So what's targeting for you? So how do you think about targeting when you are starting with a new SDR team, for example? The first thing that you got to understand is a meeting is not a meeting is not a meeting, right? If your biggest client or your best customer is Verizon, who you want to go get a meeting is AT&T. If it's Hilton, you want Marriott. If it's Procter & Gamble, you want Unilever. Uh, that's, that's clear and obvious in the enterprise segment. Um, as a heads up uh, for this podcast, everything I talk about is mid-market enterprise. I don't talk SMB. Like I don't, uh, I, I just, there's not a segment that interests me or that uh, I think my advice is as valuable. Uh, the more enterprise you go, the more difficult it gets, and that's where I thrive. Um, when we look at targeting, the first thing I do is account scoring. Uh, when I look at account scoring, I don't give each account one score, like most companies do. I give each account three scores. You're like, three scores? Why don't you just combine all three scores and give them one? No, three scores. Here's why. Score number one, firmographic profile. What does that mean? Uh, what's your industry? What types of products do you sell? Uh, company size, location, incorporation, uh, year, uh, amount of funding raised, whatever other elements. A lot of the elements that we're looking on the firmographic end are data points that don't change often or ever. It's a data point that I check maybe every three or five years, right? Think about it in this very simple way. Coca-Cola is a company in the food and beverage industry that sells beverages, including a product called Coca-Cola. How often do I need to check that that continues to be true? 10 years, yeah. Yeah. If I look at the other end of the spectrum on data, we can look at intent, right? And if you look at intent, uh, you know, some intent vendor, you can look at Bombora intricately, you can look at HE Insights, there's a lot of Zoom Info, there's a lot of vendors. Uh, for me, my favorite is HE Insights. I, I use them and I like them. Um, they are enterprise, so you know I think their software starts at six figures. When you get intent data from any of these vendors, you can understand that if Coca-Cola right now is spiking for intent uh, to buy an ATS solution, that data is only valid for weeks. If you call them three months from now, the opportunity is gone. So that's why when we look at account targeting, I think of three scores. Score number one, firmographic. Data that is continuous continuously the same over time, doesn't change very often. I validate that about every three years. Number two is technographic profile. And I'm going to find technographics through, yes, some same some of the same tools, Zoom Info, HE Insights, so on and so forth, but also job posts. I'm going to see if somebody's hiring for an SDR with experience on outreach. That tells me you're using outreach, right? I'm also going to look at... Um, 
uh, other trends within the company, such as like how many employees do they have in a certain department um, or things like that. So I'm trying to understand their setup, their structure, and their tech stack. And if I can get that, that gives me some insight on what to, when to reach out or why, why to reach out. There might, you might have, for example, two oil and gas companies. One has a really big HR and onboarding department and learning and development, while the other company has fully outsourced it. Right? So even though at a high level, you know, ExxonMobil and uh, Chevron are two great companies, if they operate very differently, they might not both be the perfect fit. So one might be much better than the other. So firmographic profile is your first score. Technographic profile is your second score and company infrastructure. And number three is intent. I only layer intent once these two have told me that it is a good account. How do you, so I imagine you use different uh, set of tools to, to find all the firmographic and technographic tools. Uh, do you, I remember if I was reading one of your posts at some point, you have a team that help, that's helping you with that to consolidate all the information? Yeah, I have a couple of people uh, directly involved with data. Uh, that's what they do all day. They use uh, our internal tools and our processes to build infrastructure in order to collect the data and manipulate it and uh, put it into outreach for the SDRs. So obviously if you're an SDR and you're having to go try to figure out in what job post does this company mention that they use this tool, it's so much effort. It's so difficult. The work would be so fragmented. How do you store it? It's a waste of time. This has to be owned by RevOps or DataOps. And that's something I built since 2017. And if you don't have it, I'm going to crush you. I'm reaching out to the same CFO that you're reaching out to. I'm reaching out to the same CTO you're reaching out to. I'm reaching out to the same VP of marketing you're reaching out to. What's the difference? I have much better data and a much better process. So they're going to take five meetings this month. I want to make sure I'm one of the five. And good luck if you can be another one, but that's it. Once you have that, this information, so you have the firmographic, technographics, and the intent data, what's, what's the next step? Excellent question. So I believe that in any company, there's usually a buying committee uh, that is either able to influence uh, a decision or make a decision. Ideally, within that circle of influence, which might be five to seven people, I want to find the champions. And at some companies, there's three, four, five champions. At some companies, there's one champion or sometimes not even a champion. You got to find somebody who is a cheerleader and turn them into a champion, right? You need to find the people who are excited. So our strategy is to go find with a cascading methodology, the top five profiles that we want to talk to, right? If I, if I sell a software for, for sales development, cool. The first person I want to talk to is the director of sales development or the VP of sales development. Right? If that if there's a VP, I want the VP. What's the next person I would talk to? Well, if there's three directors, I want all three directors. Uh, if there's no VP but there's three directors, who do I want next? Well, they are probably reporting to sales or marketing, so I want the CMO or the VP of sales or both. What if there's no directors of sales development but there's five SDRs? Well, I want the CMO or the VP of sales. Well, there's no VP of sales. There's a CRO. I do want the CRO. So as you're understanding them, I'm trying to draw this kind of like org chart that tells me, well, if you have 300 SDRs, I would call just the VP and the directors of sales development. Those are the people who are going to buy my sales development tool. But if you only have 10 SDRs, you have one SDR manager, and there's no director, no VP, I need to go directly to a CMO's VP of sales. So I need to understand very smartly, according to what company I'm reaching out to, what are the titles of the people that I need to talk to? and then only grab about five or seven people. Those five or seven people, despite not having the same title, they will have the same challenge because they all lead a sales development team in trying to create pipeline and close more deals. So my idea is to find the five people that are suffering from the problem that I solve and do problem-centric outreach into those personas. Do you have a similar process, imagine, for every buyer persona? Because right now you are talking about an SDR team, but if you are after um, a recruitment team or something like that, do you follow like a similar process? Yeah, I know the problem I solve, right? If the problem I solve is I help you recruit better, I need to find the three or five people in the company that care about recruitment. At a huge company, it's going to be the VP of HR, the head of talent acquisition, and the talent acquisition manager, and the you know regional recruiter. Uh, at a tiny company, 
It might be the HR leader, the head of sales development, the head of marketing, and the head of uh, operations. Because they just have one HR person and the heads of the departments are recruiting their own teams because they don't have enough headcount, right? You're a 30-person company. You're not going to have five HR people. That'd be crazy. You're going to have one or two. So you need to understand your personas. And uh, message based on the persona, not on the title. Message based on the problem that you solve, not on who they are. A VP of marketing at a 10-person company has very different things in their mind and in their responsibility that a VP of marketing at a 500-person company and a VP of marketing at a 5,000-person company and a VP of marketing at a 50,000-person company. So I don't split my sequences by personas. Uh, I don't split it by title. I don't care. To understand, actually, so how do you find the problems? For example, like you mentioned the VP of marketing for a 10-person company or a VP of marketing for a 1,000 employee company. So how do you, what's your process to understand the, the pains that they are facing? The pains are clear because any problem that you're solving, right? Any product that you're selling, you solve a problem. So I can use the, the own product that I have. Let's say the caller ID technology that we were just talking about. Cool. Caller ID. I know that when my team calls, um, I'm not getting enough pickups and I want more pickups. And that's the problem I solve. I get you more pickups through caller, through advanced enterprise caller ID. Cool. What does that mean? Well, if I'm reaching out to an org that has SDRs, I want to talk to the SDR leaders, the managers, the directors, potentially the VPs, right? What am I doing? I'm going to correlate the phone pickups with conversations, with pipeline, and with closed yeah. loan deals. So I'm simply going to say, hi, John, whoever you might be, you might be a sales development manager at a 500-person company or a VP of sales at a 10-person company. You both have the same challenge. I'm going to say, we're seeing in the market that a lot of companies are struggling to get their phone calls picked up because sometimes they show as spam or they simply show as an unrecognized number. Other companies have used local dial or XYZ, local dial or um, uh, double tapping as a way to increase their connect rate. Have you ever considered doing branded caller ID so that when you call, the phone of your prospect shows full name, right? Tito Bort or John Stewart, whoever I'm emailing, right? Um, this can help your team increase their pickups by, a hot, by uh, or double their pickup rates and potentially double pipeline and double revenue. Worth considering? Tito. That's my email. It should resonate with both. The VP of sales at a 10-person company that has two AEs and are self-prospecting should be interested in that. And the manager of sales development at the 5,000-person company has eight SDRs under him should care about that because I'm talking about the problem. And at the end of the day, everybody's trying to build pipeline of revenue. So that's the way I approach it. I'm giving a lot of secrets away. I feel like I'm going to get copied the hell out of this. Uh, but it's beautiful. That's what I'm here for. Follow me on LinkedIn for more tips. Episode number nine, Maddie Hopkin. She is the highest performing UK SDR at Cognizant and she was the SDR of Q1 and Q2. And when we did the interview, she was at 160% versus target just in 2023. Since joining Cognizant uh, in September 2022, she created 1.8 million in pipeline and created 960K just in Q1. She started as the lowest performing SDR and she became the top performer. In this episode, we talk about the process of Maddie to overcome being the was performing is yeah. What was your process to overcome um, this feeling, actually, and overcome uh, being the lowest performing is yeah? In terms of like my general mindset, it was as I as I mentioned, removing my ego away from the nose, not comparing to my uh, the other people that I mentioned that were booking those three four meetings in when I hadn't booked my first one. In terms of my actual process in the day-to-day -day life of being an SDR, I think it's really important to prioritise your time management and put this first. So this made, made, was making sure that I was blocking out hours for cold calling, sending up those follow-up emails, taking time to populate my accounts each day. Organisation is really, really important at the start. I've always struggled slightly with this, and I'm sure if any of my school teachers ever watched this, they'd probably laugh at me and organisation being in the same sentence. But when I first joined Cognizant, I really, really worked on this and it helped me become a lot better. And I'd also say doing the scariest task first is really important when you first join as well. What I mean by this is 
for, for me, particularly, cold calls were what I most felt, felt anxious about. So it's making sure that I was coming into the, the day prioritising cold calling. So when I first started, I was doing lots of cold calls and I began to realise that it was really important for me to celebrate the small wins as well as those meetings booked. So whether this might mean referrals, follow-up calls, it's shifting that prospecting and those cold calls from believing that those wins are starting from a conversation instead of just selling on the initial call. Um, and also lastly, I'd say is really looking at what the top performers were doing in my company. So, you know, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm not coming into Cognizant trying to do anything that someone hasn't done before. So I think it's really important to look at these people and try and replicate what they're doing. If they're achieving the results, it's most likely going to mean that you can too. So mirroring their strategy is really important. When you also, it's also important to note that when you get comfortable in the role in a few months down the line, you are able to pick up your own ways of working and tricks that maybe new SDRs in the company will also look up to you and they'll begin to kind of implement that into their workflow as well. Learning from the top performance, I think it's a really, really good advice because um, yesterday, yesterday um, I made a post on LinkedIn talking about uh, you shouldn't compare to top performers because I think it's two things, two different things, learning from top performers and comparing yourself to top performers. Comparing yourself, it can be really tricky because you can say, the re you can see the results of the top performer and you are going to think what I'm doing wrong. Hey, what if you are going to, to be in this mindset of uh, you are not doing the, the right things. But what you mentioned, learning from top SDRs, it's really the key point here. It's uh, you are um, studying them, watching them. Uh, you are um, checking the, the word they're using on the phone and all of, all of those things. And another thing you mentioned also, it's uh, celebrate small wins. So how did you do that, actually? Uh, what did you celebrate, for example? That would be like going on a cold call. And I remember like it's really easy when you first start calling to getting the mindset of, I need to book this meeting. Like I, I'm going to ask these questions that I've got on my script and then I'm going to close like whatever happens. But I think it's as you get, like when you begin to realize that actually referrals can lead to like this, one of the most powerful methods of like following up is a referral. So once you begin to celebrate that, it helps your confidence because you start to begin to shift from just being like purely sold on like I have to you know book this person in for a meeting to okay I'm gonna on this call they might not be the right person and I know that they might might not be the decision maker but it'll be really powerful if they, they, they give me a referral because I'll be able to info gather from this um, particular sales manager whoever it might be and take that to the DM and relay that like it's more likely that they're going to come in for a meeting because I've relayed all the information to them so for me it was like really celebrating those small wins and those follow-up calls that helped build my confidence as an SDR. You shared with us uh, your process to overcome um, being the lowest performing SDR uh, now can you share with us a specific moment or situation where you you, you felt things started to shift uh, towards a better performance? Yeah of course so I think that this was probably towards the end of my second month So I'd say after all those kind of like doing after what I've mentioned, replicating top performers, really focusing on what I felt most anxious about, which was cold calling. It was also investing personal time. So like watching demos on Gong, because what really helped me in becoming a low performer to a top performer was knowing the product inside and out. So I think if you really know the product you're selling, you'll approach each customer from a unique perspective It means that you'll be able to tackle the specific problem that they want to solve rather than trying to sell to everyone with the same approach. And also that's like why it's so important learning early on is because it also comes to help in enterprise and targeting these bigger accounts. You know, you'll be on a phone and customers and pros prospects will have those questions that you just can't predict. And this is where product knowledge really comes into hand as you'd never want to be on a call and someone asks you a question and you'll say, okay, let me just like ask someone in management and I'll come back to you. Because the time that you take to ask management and then potentially ring them back or send them an email, you might have lost their interest. Whereas if you're able to answer it directly on the phone, 
you might be able to put them in on the phone and then that's the opportunity that's already happening, if uh, that makes sense. Also, a follow-up question on, on you mentioned that you are uh, listening to Gong Score. Can you share some examples where you, you, you listen to some specific calls and then you learn something? Um, could be, I don't know, a call call you, you listen to from um, another top performer or it was a demo from one of your AI? It wasn't only actually like listening to their calls. It was also listening to my own because when you listen to your own, when you, um, when you're really new is that you start to realize like the bad habits you pick up. So for me, I don't know why I'd always say, I'd be like, it's kind of like this, or it's kind of like that, or it's kind of, and I'd, I remember I was always hearing that and it was really frustrating me. So I used to write just on a little like post-it note, stop saying kind of, stop saying like, that would help me to get out of bad habits very early on. But then what you mentioned about listening to AEs and SDRs. So this was something I do probably outside of work. So it sounds really sad, but on the tube or on any train or anywhere, instead of, you know, I wasn't listening to Spotify, I was listening to uh, Gong and like demos, but it would really, really help me because the line of questioning is is crucial to learn early on. So, the and you, it's always hard to be told to do something instead of like listening and being able to replicate it. So, for instance, AEs have a really good way of explaining to prospects GDPR compliance or different ways that what what questions that we get asked being a data provider a lot. So, I just copy and paste the transcript from Gong and use that in my in my own script, which was really helpful. And then with um, SDRs, it was different ways of opening a cold call that I could try out. So I might be listening to Brad's opener of a, a p- permission-based opener with the problems or people like Charlie Bell and another colleague of mine, Toria, who would more go in with the information and say, I've spoken to XYZ, they tell me this, can you let me know if that's feedback that you've heard internally? So it's listening to different strategies and learning what would be the best one for me. Episode 8, Devesh Tilokani, Enterprise BDR at Lupio. He's an Enterprise BDR at Lupio since May 2022, and his performance, he was averaging from 75% to 163%. In year one, he was averaging 110%. This episode, Devesh shared with us his sequences using on LinkedIn to get more than 30% of free rate and also how he's using videos. How do you structure a sequence? Uh, you, you already started to talk about it, but your first touch is an email. Why an email as a first touch? What, what we do is at least is like we have the email that goes out the first day and then either the first day or the second day itself, the sequence, prom- sequence prompts you to call them. And then so within the first two, 48 hours normally, we're sending a uh, we're sending three touches. We're sending an email, a call, and a LinkedIn. Um, what I have found is that when people open up the email, like my open rate's a bit on the higher side, I'd say we can go up to 80% on a, on a good month. Um, when they're able to see the email and you're calling them, I just find it's a lot more warmer. I'd say about half the calls that we do. And if your emails are very customized, I'd say about, it's about 40 to 50% of calls that I do. Uh, the person already kind of has an idea of who I am because my email has been pretty memorable in some way or my LinkedIn message has been pretty memorable as some way because what I'm kind of, I guess, looking in my head, like it's just sort of how I like to look at it is that I want the prospect's head for Tevesh from Lupio to really stand out um, compared to the other BDRs that are reaching out to them in their inbox. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. And um, yeah, I mean, that's that, that was there before I joined Lupio and it has worked for the team up till now. Um, yeah, just like making sure we reach out to the prospect on all three channels within the first 48 hours. I think that's key. How many touches do you have on, on the sequence? 15 touches. We have some sequences that are a bit lower. I think it's about 12. Um, but yeah, around between 12 to 15 touches, I think there's about three calls, five to six emails, and then another two, I think LinkedIn tasks, two or three LinkedIn tasks. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how the sequence is structured per se. You mentioned that every time, uh, you have a prospect that accept your connection request on LinkedIn, you have a sequence, a separate sequence, uh, to, to add them uh, to it. So before, before we talk about this sequence, actually, do you personalize your connection request or do you have a blank connection request? Blank. I've done blank for the last 
six months and it's worked out way better for me honestly because i know some people they have different opinions so it's uh, yeah after preparing the api i started to do that uh, having the sequence i'm not using the video yet because for now it's just having like a separate cadence to keep track of my prospect to accept my connection request on linkedin because it's a it's a it's it's not a mess but it's i think it's easier to keep track of, of my prospect um on this so i think it's a really good way to to keep track of your prospect so Definitely, uh, if you are listening to this or watching this, uh, have a different sequence. But now we are going to talk about uh, specifically what you are sending in this sequence. So uh, you said first touch is a, a video. Um, so you said you use Vidyard. Um, what do you say in this video and how you structure it? I'll just maybe say a quick point there. I completely agree with you with like, you know, kind of staying focused on and like being organized with it. What I used to do in the past is I would just send the video and then I would just assume that I would be have a reminder in a couple of days to like send a follow-up. Never happens. Never happens. So I'm like, why? Why would I be like, like, why would I make my life harder? Let me just create a sequence that reminds me every couple of days to like follow up with this person or send send a send a soft touch. So um, yeah, once the sequence has come in, like my reply rate's gone skyrocketed compared to before. Um, because a lot of times, what happens is, um, and I'll go into my structure real quick. But a lot of times, what happens is people will watch the video, but they just won't respond. And you're like, you spend. 75 seconds of your life to watch the video, but you didn't respond. So, but a lot of times it happens as you watch it, you'll be like, wow, this is impressive. And then you'll just forget to respond. And then like when you follow up with them, they're like, oh yeah, sorry, Vish, um, the video was great. Let's chat. I just forgot to reply back, but it sounds really interesting. And I just think to myself, I'm like, if I hadn't had that sequence or if I hadn't followed up with this person, like I would have lost them, you know, basically. You know, so um, uh, that's one thing to, to, to know for, which, which is why it's, it can be really crucial to create that sequence. Uh, to remind yourself, but um, how the structure of the video goes is normally I start off with, um, hey, prospect. Um, and then I'll start off with like an acknowledgement that not sure how often you receive videos like these. And I think um, Kathleen, if I'm not mistaken, Kathleen Caldwell or Catherine Caldwell, if I'm not mistaken, she's, she's like a video prospecting coach. She talks a lot about this. Um, I've gone for a session of her. She's great. Definitely check her out on LinkedIn. But um, um, I hope I'm getting her name right. But uh, basically, she had mentioned, um, like you start off your video with like acknowledging that it's a, it's a bit weird, not weird, but like it's different to get a video compared to just getting a random message. So uh, what I'll start off the video with is be like, hey, Jack, not sure how often you get videos like these. And then what I'll do is I normally have my email open that I've already sent because I'm trying to reduce the time, like my, the brain power that I'm using. I have the email that I already have written and I'll use the same personalization over here. So so something like, hey, Jack, uh, not sure often you receive videos like these. Actually, Jack, I was I was on your uh, Q2 earnings um, earnings uh, press release and I noticed that revenue rose by 27% and your CEO mentioned that you're investing in this, uh, this, and this in your sales process. Um, and then from there, I'll go into like my, um, into like my, I'll connect that little specific personalization with what, what Lubio does. So we help teams respond to RFPs. Typically, when companies grow, they respond to more RFPs. So I'll say something like that. Typically, when companies are in this stage, they respond to more RFPs. Out of curiosity, what's the strategy around that? Um, just give me a rough template right now, but of course, I'll go into more pain points sometimes. Then what I'll do is I normally have two tabs open. So I have three tabs open normally. So one is the prospects page. I'm normally sharing the prospects page. It's a small bubble on the side on Vidyard. Uh, then I'll, once I've given the pain point, I'll go onto like our page, our Lupio page, and you can go onto whatever your company's website is. And I'll show a couple of stats and sort of talk about a pain point that we solve um, super quick, like literally 10 seconds. Like I'm, I'm giving them a very rough overview of what we do because I don't want to lose them. And the last thing what I'll do is, and this part is golden, is that I will, the third tab is my, is my Gmail open and I'll literally click and I'll show them the email that I've sent. And that's when it clicks in their head that this guy was the one that sent me the personalized email. He sent me a personalized video. Like this person deserves a response. Because I've gotten a video, I've gotten a voicemail from them, and I've also gotten a personalized email. So tying everything together, like that's been like a game changer for me. Um, and the email part, I only added that in. Um, and like normally, what I say at the end is also sent you across an email. Um, click on the Gmail tab, subject line. As you can see here is whatever. Um, let me know your feedback, and if you're open and chatting about this next week, and then I leave it over there, and that's increased my reply rate a lot more as well. Um, from adding that third element to it as well. How long are your videos generally? Between 50 to 75 seconds, I'd say. 
it sounds like I'm doing it a lot longer because I'm explaining it, but it's yeah. actually being 15 to 17 seconds max. And you're setting five videos a day, like that shouldn't take you more than 10 to 15 minutes once you get once you get the repetitive sort of like the the the, the flow behind it. You mentioned that it takes longer to explain because obviously you need to explain your thought process to to explain the idea behind the video and the structure of it. So, um, but yeah, I think it makes sense for this because when you're prospecting longer than that is could be really long and prospect won't, won't watch it. So that won't watch every part of the video. It looks like that you are you, you are sharing a screen also during this video, or you are, is is it just you uh, talking in front of a camera, or what's your process? Yeah, yes, I'm sharing the screen. So I'm sharing three different screens. I start off with their LinkedIn page. I talk about you know the, my personalization. Then I go to the like our company page. I'll pull up a couple of stats, and then the final page that I go to is our is my own Gmail, and I'll pull up the actual email that I send them, and I'll show them that email as well. So it's like three different pages that I'm sharing. And the video has like a small bubble on the side so they can still see your face and see you communicating as well. And actually, when you send this video after recording this video on LinkedIn, on video and then you send it on LinkedIn, do you add some text to your, to your video in the um, in the chat of LinkedIn or what do you say? Yeah, so I keep it pretty simple. I'll say Eric um, dash uh, off and you receive videos like these, but recorded one to introduce myself, link the video. Uh, the actual subject line of the video, this one also I've A-B tested and this one works really well, but I'll write the exact seconds that the video is. So let's say if, this, if the video is like 57 seconds, I'll like, the caption of the video will be 57 second video for Elric. And um, when you see something like that, I'm just like always thinking about like, what's like when someone looks at 57 second video for their name, it just stands out in their inbox a lot more compared to, um, I don't know, video for Elric per se. So, it's like, how do you stand out? And that just one me that's that I found pretty helpful. It's more specific. And then know what to expect also with the video because generally it's, if you don't know how, how long the video, you maybe you don't know if you're going to click on it. So in 57 seconds, it's pretty specific. So Yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, I've been setting videos for the last seven months and it's all been iterations. I started off with like just sending Elric, here's a video for you. And then the, sub, the, the caption was video for Elric or whatever. And then I found out people weren't clicking as much or they were dropping off maybe in the first 10 seconds of the video. Then it's like, okay, maybe if I let them know that it's a very short video, they may actually click on it. So it's like, as you get better and better, you kind of like plug more and more gaps uh, per se in your, in your approach. For people who want to improve their video prospecting skills, um, what do you think is the biggest killer, uh, killer learning for you? Yeah, I think the first thing is just getting like, like I don't know what I'll go I'll go back. I'll say the first thing is committing to a certain amount of videos that you want to send on a weekly basis or a daily basis. The biggest thing that I've noticed is because I've run a couple of training sessions for Vidyard internally. I think the biggest objection that I've gotten is this will just add too much more work to my work to like my already crazy workflow that I have. Cause like they just think it's too much work to do send videos. So I think it's just important to start small but commit to a certain amount. Um, I think another BDR that's been had some success recently that I spoke to, um, he just basically like committed to three videos a day, 15 a week. Those three videos take him about 10 minutes. That's all he does. But at least he started off, you know, and he's, and he's getting some decent results from it. So I think the main objection that I always get is like, it just takes too much time or whatever. But if you can, if you can at least commit to a certain amount, a small amount to start off with, and then have a process that's scalable. So for example, like for myself, I will literally read off the email at times for the, for the video, most times actually, because I don't want to go out of my way to search for another personalization as well. Like when I already have that, like the email's done the work for me, you know? So it's always like, figure out like, figure out like what's a number that you can stick to. And secondly, figure out how can you make it as easy as possible for yourself. Um, and I think you make a great point here around the, um because you already done the research, you're not going to research again to to find something that you're going to say in the video because most of the time or so they don't remember the email or they, you are using something that's you already done the research at the beginning. So it's not like thinking about what you're going to say, it's already here. 100%. Even you can use, you can use that same personalization like in your cold call as well. Because um, the idea is that we're always trying to create a point of view, like what's going on internally in that account and why does your product why your product actually would help that company move from A to B or whatever. So um, that's kind of how I look at it. Episode number seven, Brad Norgate. He was senior enterprise SDR at Cognizum and he was part of the top 
three SDR of the company. He was because he was promoted to an account executive role. In this episode, he shares his four-step cold calling process to book meetings with enterprise accounts. Uh, now let's talk about cold calling. So when we are preparing the episode, you are um, telling me that your favorite, that you're really good at building reports, um, you are using a lot of um, stuff from Chris Voss. So let us know what uh, what's your approach with cold calling. Yeah, so my approach with cold calling is one that's actually quite repetitive. I, I, most people in the office are probably sick of hearing my same intro every time. Um, but I, I like to keep it consistent just because then you know if it's not working, you can change it. If, if you change too many things at once, right, you don't know what, what is and isn't working. So I keep that the same, which is a permission-based opener, which I'm sure people have read about on LinkedIn um, from... Yeah, so, so that's pretty much me saying, this is a cold call, do you want to hang up now? Give me 30 seconds, right? And I think where I initially heard that is from a man called Benjamin Dennehy on LinkedIn, who's the UK's most hated sales trainer. He's fantastic, by the way. Anyone, any SDR watching this should go and have a look. Um, but it's it's just a typical sort of Sandler selling style opener, right? And then I move on to my my intro or my hook, where I I... Whatever the ICP I'm speaking to, I'll say typically I speak to Elric if you're an SDR manager uh, and they, they tell me they're frustrated because for Cognizant anyway, the example would be they're not having enough conversations with the right decision makers. And then I'll move on to three problems. And the importance for me of listing these problems is it's a very quick sort of qualification piece. Either they've got one of those problems and we can have a conversation around it. Or alternatively, they're telling me they don't have one of those problems and I need to discuss that, explore that a little bit further. So, I mean, if, if it's helpful, I can give the examples that, that I would use on a cold call. Uh, can you do, but let's do like, a, I'm an SDR leader, I'm your prospect runner. So what, what will be the, the, the three, um, three, main, uh, three pain points for an SDR leader? Yeah, so Elric, I would say, you know, typically I speak to SDR leaders and they tell me perhaps they're frustrated. You know, the team have got the tech, they've got everything they need. They're just not speaking to as many decision makers as they could be. And they normally, Elric, give me one of three reasons for that. Either they don't know who to speak to in the companies they're reaching out to. Number two is maybe they know exactly who they want to speak to. They just can't get the cell phones, the emails for those people. Or sometimes number three is they've got all that information. They've got a piece of tech that's trying to solve that. It's just not giving them the results that they were hoping for. Um, and then I finish it off with um, what I think has become a little bit of my signature, which is... I've got a funny feeling, Elric, you're going to tell me now that not a word there really applies in, in your world. Um, and it's a little bit, it's a li when I started out, it felt a little bit cheeky, but it's a, it's a little bit different to just the typical, you know, does any of that resonate with you? It's a very simple, that's a very simple question. And actually you're using a bit of Chris Ross's negotiation techniques where you're, you're almost daring them to say no. Um, so in actuality, what happens is you actually get a lot more yeses from that. So that's the reason I started using that to end that that sequence. Before talking about the hook, you are saying that, for example, if they, you you don't have, for example, the prospect doesn't have like any of those those pain points. Um, you said that you're going to dig a, li a little bit more. So what do you what do you start asking? Yeah. So Elric, if you turned around and said to me, "Now listen, none of that really applies. We're we're all good. We're all fine," which happens quite a lot. Um, I would say, no, that, that's fine. Um, I'm glad, number one, that it's going as, as perfectly as it sounds. Um, but my, my question off the back of that, Elric, would be, is that because your team aren't cold calling, they're not cold emailing, uh, they're, not, they're not using those, or is it something else? That's what I would ask to then dig into, you know, what's going on? What is their, their um, processes there? What is their current systems? Um, or is this just a, a, a brush off objection? which is my job as an SDR to try and get past. So that's the question I'd ask. Elric. Yeah, because I imagine sometimes the people that are not listening, but then when you're asking this question, um, that's when you realize that maybe they are just um, not listening to you. So let, let's say, for example, let's say, yeah, uh, we, even though I said, no, I don't have any pain points, but then I say, yeah, we, we, we my team is making, I don't know, 50 cold calls per day, for example. What do you, what do you say next? Obviously, they're using the the phone to generate new business. Um, are you telling me that that's going perfectly, Elric? They can speak to who they want, when they want, and there's no issues surrounding that. Am I understanding that correctly? And the reason I, I asked that, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing most sales leaders are probably then going to say, well, no, it's not perfect. It's never perfect. That's something I hear quite often, which for an SDR is like the golden egg, where you've just got a little bit of a foot in the door now to say, 
well listen if it's if it's not perfect what's what's going wrong with it is it that they're not speaking to the right people or they're just not not speaking to they're not having a high enough connect rate and it just really these questions Elric, just allow you to start a conversation which is your ultimate goal with a cold call Talk about benchmark for the, an average of the going trust, for example, uh, on the call call with uh, your prospects, uh, for example, because if I say, yeah, no, I think we, we are good. Do you talk about a specific number? Because I was mentioning earlier, for example, we have five or six percent uh, average uh, on connect rates. So that's if we compare to your average connect rates, that's pretty, uh, pretty low. So. Do you talk about it's less about um, it's my approach anyway, is less about trying to force numbers down their throat and more about trying to understand um, their situation and then positioning Cognizant as a solution. So I've got to find a pain, right? It, for, in order for me to use my my approach, I have to find a pain. So to answer your question, I wouldn't probably say, um, oh, your connect rate's 5%. Well, Cognizant is 10%. I would probably say something along the lines of, listen, it sounds like from what you're telling me, you're pretty happy with a connect rate of 5% right now. Um, I'm an SDR at Cognizant. We have a, a connect rate of maybe 10%. If, you're, if your team, if, is it fair to say that if your team were getting double the amount of connects, they might just book double the amount of meetings? Um, and then it's about getting them to, to notice that perhaps there is a bit of an opportunity there, um, getting them to see the value of the product and really getting them to buy in. And then we're kicking again. We're firing on all cylinders and we can start another, we can start the conversation. We can carry it on. Let's say I have a pain. Uh, when do you stop the call call? Um, do you try to dig a little bit on the pain? And then when you find, uh, I don't know what you're looking for here, but what do you do? So when I started out um, cold calling, and certainly when I joined Cognizant, I was, my cold calls were a lot shorter. They were like five minutes. Um, and once I got to a point where I realized they had a pain, I would very quickly ask the question, hey, listen, if Cognizant could solve that pain, is there any reason you wouldn't want to discuss this with me? Bang, book a meeting. But obviously moving up into enterprise, I've realized that that doesn't always work too well when it comes to pipeline generation, right? It becomes a lot more about qualification um, and, and finding their pains, challenges and goals. So I've had to adapt that approach a little bit. So uh, the, the first half stays the same. And then the second half you asked about um, once I found the pain, what am I doing? So now I'm going to ask them more questions about their current processes. I'm going to ask them what regions are they currently targeting, what industries they're currently targeting. Um, and then I'm going to position Cognizant as a, as a solution to specifically uh, those regions, those industries, those decision makers. And that's how I'm going to close it. So I guess to answer your question, once I've found a pain, I'm going to carry on to do another one to two minutes of discovery with that prospect before I, I come to the close. And that's just to, to make sure that my pipeline generation is as good as it can be. Still leaves a little bit to, de to be desired if you ask my manager. So I'm still something I'm working on. It can always be better. Now, how do you handle call, actually? So now you, you, you find the pain and then you ask more questions around this pain. So how do you handle call? Yeah, so in in the dream scenario, if you've done if you've done things by the book here, you've found a pain, you've probably quantified that pain, so they understand that it's it's causing them a problem and they're, that they're losing out. And then the last step is just to position Cognizant as a solution to that problem. Now, it's not enough, I've found, certainly at Enterprise, just to say, hey, listen, Cognizant can solve that. Do you want to have a chat? Um, it's more about, especially if you're speaking to, to VPs, to directors, they want to know exactly how you can do it. So is this half an hour a good use of their time? So what I would say is, Elric, if we've had a discussion and I found out that you're targeting um, CTOs in Europe, um, and actually your connect rate is 5%, but you think it could be higher and you're missing out on opportunities. I'm going to bundle that all into one final paragraph, which is pretty much, well, paragraph's the wrong word, one final sort of statement, which is saying, Elric Cognizant can solve that by providing you contact data for X, Y, Z, um, and we can we can solve that issue, and, and hopefully the goal being um, to increase your connect rate and increase your pipeline generated. If we could do that, is there any reason you wouldn't meet with us to discuss this further? And if you've done the cold call well, then the answer is probably yes. Episode number six, Caspian Luki, associate sales engineer at Gong. As an easier, he had 111% of core attainment and he was in the top three of a team of 30 easiers. In this episode, Caspian shared with us how he's using video to prospect on LinkedIn. You are talking about uh, creating value. Um, also, earlier you said, the first thing you're focusing on building relationship, then you, you start focusing on 
uh, are using videos and being creative on LinkedIn. So what, how do you do that? I think videos is a way that you can be a bit more direct uh, if you want to. So as SDRs or any person in the sales process, right? SDRs, AEs, if there's player coaches that are sales leaders, while relationship building is great, sometimes it takes a little bit longer than you'd like. Sometimes you're thinking, hey, it's the last week of the month. I'm trying to hit quota. Like, what can I, what can I do? I don't have time to build a relationship. I need a meeting now. I totally get that. I, I've, I've been there several times. The example you shared with us earlier, um, how long did it take you to, from starting to engage with her and then until you booked the meeting? Oh, good question. For her, I would say a few weeks, like probably she responded positively to that first message, but it was probably like two or three weeks before we actually had a meeting on the books. So it's not, you know, it, it wasn't like, I wound up staying in touch with her afterwards. Like we've been in touch for the last, I don't even know, nine months. Um, I wound up like buying her book and it, like now she and I are friends, but I, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it wasn't like two months or anything like that. But, um, but I've had that. If I'm honest, there have been relationships that have been really slow burns where people say, Hey, love the outreach. Like, and you keep going, you keep like sending relevant articles. And then three months later they say, Hey, that was very like let's connect, you know? So I would say I've had up to, I don't know, probably four or five months, like LinkedIn conversations before someone took a meeting. So that specific example was three months, but relationship building can be great. I am likely going to be friends with a lot of the people that I've built relationships with, but it's not always helpful for if you need a meeting before the end of the month, you know, so I'll call that out. Uh, let's focus on, so you, you said video, it's a great way to do that. So what do you, what do you do with this? So that's where I just, so in this case, I don't go the relationship building route. I just add them on LinkedIn first. Once you, the key is for them to accept because if they don't accept, then you can still send them a video, but it has to be done through something like a drift or a loom and a third party site, which, which is fine. I, I think those are great companies, but what I like doing is if they have accepted your LinkedIn request, you can just record a video on your phone and send it as an, as an attachment. So it's not an external link. It's nothing weird. I'll share my screen and show you what, you know, a video in, in LinkedIn looks like. And I can show you. I'm going just to share a quick thing for, for those who, who don't know how to send a video uh, on, on their phone. So you need to have the LinkedIn app on your phone. And that's the, um, it's not using Sales Navigator. It's the, the app of LinkedIn and your personal inbox, not the Sales Navigator inbox where you can start recording your videos. Exactly. That's a really good call out. So my hair is a little bit goofy, but I basically just sent a video once this person accepted my um my linkedin request i just sent a video plain and in my videos there's always four parts to it it is some sort of hook or personalization so i'll go through the parts and then i'll give you an example of each hook or personalization reason why you're reaching out slash why you thought it was relevant to them like basically why should they care Step three is your company's value prop. So you've, you've tailored it to them. You've told them why they should care. Now, what does your company do? Like, how does it feed into that problem that you're expecting that they have? And then four is the call to action. So asking for a meeting. So an example of this would be, um, and this is what I did, you know, a lot of the time was, hey, let's say you're a VP of sales. Like, hey, Elric, not sure how many videos you get like this, but I figured that this was better than a cold call. At least I hope it is. Uh, the reason why I'm reaching out is I noticed your company had, uh, you know, your sales team has grown recently with headcount up 10% in the past uh, six months alone. And I thought you might be focused on moving those new hires up to production speed as quickly as possible and thought that Gong might be on your radar. Gong helps VPs of sales like you ramp up new hires and also help existing reps crush their quota curious would it be completely out of the question to connect for like 15 minutes later this week to tell you a bit more about how gong has helped other sales leaders in your space achieve those goals i'm a little bit rusty but that's like really high level what i would be talking about because again it's a little bit goofy a little personalized tailored to you i'm telling you why it's relevant why you should care both in your sales department and then i'm telling you i'm i'm, I'm assuming a problem that you have i'm saying hey i imagine with all those new hires you're focused on moving them up to production speed 
as quickly as possible. Like you want those new hires to produce very soon. And then I'm saying, why is Gong relevant to that, right? Like, hey, Gong helps ramp up new hires and helps fully ramped people continue to crush their number. And then I go for the ask, like, can we meet later this week? Or like, would it be completely out of the question to meet? So um, that's an overview of what I would say in a video. And just to show some of the responses I might get, um, oh, whoops, sorry. It's this one. Um, this is the response that I got to this video, which is basically like, hey, yeah, like, thanks for your thoughtful video. Had a look at the website. And yes, let's meet. So again, it, I think, is a really helpful way to stand out from a lot of the other SDRs or salespeople that might be trying to get time with your prospect. And it's something that, if done well, can be really, really effective. So happy to dive in more there. But again, having that like high level reason for reaching out, why they should care. And it's great because it can also be, you know, it can be done in under a minute. I think there's data on like, if it's under 40 seconds, the success rate goes up. So my, my pitch might've been over 40 seconds, but I think being concise, um, being relevant to them, basically just telling them like, why should they care? How is it going to make their life easier? And what does your company do? Like, how does your company achieve that? If you tell people those things, I'd be surprised if they didn't take a meeting, you know? Yeah, and I think it's pretty interesting the way you are uh, structuring in those videos because uh, I think generally the, the part that's missing in the lot of us which I'm seeing, it's the, um, the problem. If I'm talking about the problem they might face, and I think here it's really key on, on your Twitch because it's you are you find like a reason to to contact the the, um, the VP of sales, but then you are saying maybe you are thinking about this or facing this. And I think here it's where you're generally people they just say hi, I saw this, okay, we help with this, and that's it. And generally it's when you find a reason or a trigger, like you're mentioning, it's there is something behind it. There is maybe a challenge, or they might it's a priority for them, or maybe it's not. So, but the, the 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 thing you want to do is having a connection with what you found to a problem or a challenge, and then to the solution. So um, I really like that. Thanks so much for listening to this episode with the recap of 2023 for the podcast from episode number 10 to episode number six. In the next episode, we are going to share from episode number five to the episode number one. I'll see you on the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So for Spotify, to leave a review, what you can do is you can use your phone, then go on the Spotify app, then you go to the SDR game page, and then at the top of the page, you can leave um, a review. It's a five-star review uh, if you enjoyed the episode, obviously. And then if you are listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts, feel free also to leave a review uh, on your app. Thanks for listening, and I see you on the next episode. Thank you.